may be seated. As, uh, as Crystal said, Happy New Year to you. It is great to be gathered back. I love a new year. Uh, it's full of new resolutions, new optimism, new goals, um, new, uh, new choices, new chances to kind of refocus with clarity on what's ahead. I love the beginning of a new year. Um, I hate the middle of a new year when I haven't actually done any of those things, but I love the beginning of a new year. We have this way of kind of falling back when we try to be new into the patterns of the old ways sometimes. And sometimes it can even make us believe that things will never be different than they are right now. Like we've been around the block before. Can you really teach a new, an old dog new tricks? And I had that question until this past week, I saw this video on the internet that I, I wanna share with you right now, <laughs> right? We'll just wait for it here. A little longer. Okay. Oh, I am so, so sorry. I don't want to mess this up. Yes. That's right. Straight from the Arctic vortex. There he goes. And of course, back up again. <laughs> All right. We better turn that off or no one will pay attention to me um, during this. It's amazing. I'll let that New Year's resolution and the inspiration from a dog come to you. When life gives you an Arctic vortex, just grab the sled with your mouth and just carry it up the hill and get some fun out of it, man. Um, we have made some resolutions already this year. We maybe have broken some resolutions already this year. But how can we really do that? How can we really have a fresh start? How can we really do new things in our lives, in our relationships, our relationships with others, our relationship with God, with ourself, with, as a community together, as open? We want that so much. So I was wrestling with this, with this question of, of how to be new in the new year. And I came across this poem written by uh, someone from here in the open community, Celia Williamson, um, that just opened my eyes with its simplicity and the clarity of its message. And so I wanted to share her poem for the new year with you. She said, my prayer for 2018 is that it will be better than 2017. It sounds like a pretty low bar, she says. My resolution for 2018, and I do better with low bars, is that I will be part of the difference. And that just stopped me in my tracks. Because that's the heart of it all. That's the call in our lives. We're invited to be a part of making a difference in our world. Whether that difference is global or national or local, in our family or in us as individuals, we're invited, called even, I think, to be a part of the difference, be a part of the difference in this next year specifically, to bring light, to bring hope, to bring love and faith, to bring welcome, to bring justice, to bring God's peace, to be a part of the difference. There's so much to say about how to do that, and, and, and you could teach me so much about how to do that. But we'll be exploring some of the different ways that, that we're called, I think, that God's love calls us to be different kinds of people over the next few weeks. But at its core, this invitation to be new and to be different begins with having a new vision, having a new mindset. And one of the amazing things about what Jesus did among us is that Jesus offered to us, Jesus unveiled for us a new way to live, a new way to love, a new way to do life with ourselves, with our neighbors, 
with God in our world. And it was something brand new, something brand new that included us, that included all people. And if we can grasp that brand new vision, just a little bit of it, this new year, it can change our whole world. It can make all things new, including us. And it can help us be a part of making a difference in this next year. So let's go back to the beginning of our faith and look at how Jesus called us to be new and different. And sometimes it's hard to look back like into Bible history and church history and all that kind of stuff and see newness there, <laughs> see newness in what Jesus was up to because everything seems old back in the days, right? We look back and all we see are sandals and, and robes and dude with, dudes with beards and, oh, actually that does sound like uh, Austin Salem, it's music festival. Um, <laughs> But we look back and we just see old and it's hard to filter through all that kind of stuff. But Jesus was doing something incredibly new. Jesus was bringing something new to the world, bringing a message so revolutionary that we're still unpacking it and unfolding what it means for us in our lives and our relationships in our world. And like every new thing, it got Jesus into trouble because Jesus' message was not a continuation of the systems that had gone before. It was not religion 2.0, Tokyo Drift. This was something new, a new way of relating to God, our neighbor, and ourself. We see that at the climax of Jesus' ministry among us. On the last night before Jesus was arrested, he sat his friends down, and over a final meal, he began to share with them this deep story. This deep stuff, the way that you would if this was maybe one of your last opportunities to share life with the people around you. And he went to the heart of everything that he'd been trying to teach them and model for them and share with the people around them. And we find it in the gospel that was written by the community around John in chapter 13. And he says, little children, this is kind of a term of endearment for his friends, dudes and dudettes. I'm with you only a little longer, he said. So I give you a new commandment. I'm going to pause right there. Because even 2,000 years later, I want us to feel a little bit of the tension in this moment. Because when Jesus said, I've got a new commandment for you, all that business, the tension in the room was like so thick you could cut it with a lightsaber. Which isn't saying much because you can cut anything with a lightsaber. But you get the point. So... Here's the thing, like, you don't get to just give new commandments to people. <laughs> you, to get a commandment, you go up on a mountain, you talk with God, God draws it on a piece of stone with God's finger, and it always starts with, like, thou shalt or thou shalt not. Like, that's how you get a commandment. You don't just, like, drop it at a dinner party with your friends, unless it's, I give you a new commandment, eat dessert first. Then you're allowed to do that at a dinner party. You don't just get to give a new commandment. But here was Jesus bringing something new. And I emphasize that word new because Jesus did. So there's two words for new in the Bible. Um, there's the Greek word neos, which means new or young, fresh, a baby, but a baby of the same species as before. And that's not what Jesus used. Jesus used kainos, which means new, unique. 
unlike anything that has ever gone before. In fact, it's contrasted to the things that have gone before. This is a whole new species, like nothing that has ever been in existence before. And so this commandment that Jesus brought, that Jesus is about to unveil to his disciples, is new. It's different than everything that has gone before in human history. And it's new, and it has the power to make all things new for us as well. But Jesus didn't just drop this new bombshell that night. He'd been building up to it throughout his ministry with his disciples. And so he's getting them ready for this idea that he might just be making a break from the ways of the past. And so a little bit of backstory is important as we go into this new idea of Jesus. We need to go back to the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, as a failed Austrian nun once said. Um, Jesus brings something new, and he, it shows up in his very first public sermon that he spoke to the folks. He spoke in this moment that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And in that sermon, six times, he brings what are called antitheses, which, um, where he seems to step in front of Moses, the lawgiver and the religious law, and say something basically like, you've heard it said, Moses said to you, but I say to you. Things like, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil doer. Anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. And later he'll say, you've heard it said, but I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And all of this may seem very, very normal <laughs> to us now because this is like Jesus doing this. And we're like, yeah, of course, that's Jesus. This is what Jesus does. But back then, this was not normal. Moses was the dude in the day, the dude in Jewish religion, the one who brought the law to Judaism, the one who had been handed the commandments by God on the mountain, the story goes. All the laws and regulations and the Ten Commandments of the whole nation of Israel came through this guy. And so you're allowed to interpret Moses. You're allowed to rank Moses' commandments and prioritize them. But you're not allowed to just step in front and say, yeah, Moses said this, but here is something new. I know you've heard this, but God is doing something new. That would be like me standing up this past Christmas and saying to you, hey, um, I know at Christmas we normally talk about Jesus and his birth and like all the things that Jesus taught, but I've got some ideas. And so this Christmas, we're going to celebrate my birth, if that's cool with you. And, uh, and we're going to talk about what I have to say about all of this. And like yada, 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 you'd come back in the new year and you'd have a different pastor, wouldn't you? It would, it would not go over well if I did this. So this is what Jesus did. He just stepped in front of Moses and said, I'm bringing you something new. And it's not a continuation. It's something brand new. But here's the profound thing about what Jesus brings into this story. There's something about what he says. There's something about the way that he lives it out that's challenging, and it's new, but it seems right, like really deeply right. Like in a way that instead of, instead of just fulfilling the letter of the law, takes us to the heart of it and the spirit of it and fulfills everything that God has been trying to tell us as human beings. Jesus seems to be saying things that are less about trying to earn God's love and more about being a part of God's loving work no matter what. 
seems to cut through the past and all the baggage and the context and the contingencies and all the old rules and all the regulations and go right to the heart of who our God is and the essence of God, what, what God is really doing. And even if the people around him didn't quite get it and they were a little taken aback by Jesus' brashness to stand in front of the past, they kept on listening because it seemed to cut through it all and go to the heart. And I think sometimes for us, we need Jesus again to step in front, cut through all the baggage and go straight to the heart of this story. And that's where Jesus went over and over and over again. For instance, one time this lawyer comes up to Jesus with this series of questions, trying to nail Jesus down to the past. And he asks Jesus this, this question that seems innocent on its surface, says, what's the greatest commandment? But the lawyer was trying to get Jesus to answer something so that the lawyer could say, so then why don't you follow it and nail Jesus down to the old ways? And so Jesus answers him and says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And Jesus answered correctly. This was the most important commandment in Judaism. But just as the lawyer was about to wind up and say, so then why don't you go to synagogue? You know, is, is Jesus, Jesus, why don't you? Jesus just kept talking. He said, and the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, he says. The second one is just like it. And again, Jesus is very careful in the words that Jesus chooses because in Greek, there's two words for like. One means similar, and the other one means the same. And Jesus uses the same. And so basically what he's saying is the second commandment is the same as the first commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all you are. These are two sides of the same invitation of God. Jesus went to a whole different part of the Old Testament and brought from Leviticus and joined that to what was in Deuteronomy and put these things together for the first time in recorded history. He said a new thing. He said that loving God and loving people are one and the same. In fact, if you want to know how you're doing and loving God, then look around at how you're loving people, and that's a good indication. And they're like, wait, wait, Jesus, this is very new to us. It sounds like you're saying that how I treat people is just as important as how I treat the God of the universe, maybe even like the same somehow. And Jesus, this isn't in the Bible, but I think it's between the lines, Jesus just goes, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Whoa, that is so new, but yet it seems right. It seems to resonate with who God is and the way that God calls us to be in a world, in a way that is more right than anything that anyone has ever brought to us before. It's new, but it seems eternal. And then, if that were not enough, Jesus just caps it off by stepping in front of the whole old scriptures. He says, on these two commandments hang all the laws and the prophets, which is shorthand for just the whole Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament. All of it can be understood through these two things, love God and love people. And he says, this whole thing, it isn't about the commandments to not eat shellfish or don't wear blended fabrics. 
It's not about being a part of a specific tribe or a specific ethnicity. God is doing a new thing. And your neighbor is everyone you meet. And God can be found, and our love of God can be expressed in our relationship to those around us. This whole thing is about growing and loving, of, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself, which was so new. <laughs> but it seemed to go through to the heart of it all. And so it's no wonder that Jesus got in trouble with the sacred dudes, with the sacred books, and the sacred places, and the sacred status quo. We're not his biggest friend, fans. So, all right, time out. What, why are we talking about all of this backstory stuff? I think it's important to go to the heart of this because this year we each have this long list of goals and activities and exercise regimens and reading lists to do, and that is awesome. But I think if we start from there, from list making, we might just miss the heart on which all of what God calls us to be as new creations hangs. We might miss the opportunity for us this year to be different. So the sacred religion of the day had tons of lists and goals and activities and diet plans and reading lists. And Jesus just cleared the table and said, don't start there. Start with love of God, love of people as you love yourself and let everything, all new things flow from there. Let your family flow from love of God and love of those around you. Let your job flow from there, your budget flow from there, your friendship flow from there, your action for justice and for helping others flow from that spot. And in that, just that one dual commandment, love God, love others, love as you love yourself. Letting life flow from there has the power to make us new this year. And those two things can work in the spirit, in making us new creations, and pursuing those two commandments, loving God, we're invited to learn. We're invited to love God by learning about God, learning to pray, trying to pray, meditating, worshiping, following, growing in God. We're invited to love our neighbor this year, especially, I think, those neighbors who happen to live under our roof with us, to be patient, to be kind, Accepting, comforting, giving, defending, encouraging, inviting, empowering. This year, I think we're invited to love ourselves as God loves us. To take care of ourselves mentally and spiritually and emotionally and physically. And sometimes in church, we do the like, we talk about loving God and loving others. And we kind of gloss over that yourself part of the whole story. because, And it's an important corrective because there's so much self-centered self-love in our world, but what God is inviting us to is a God-centered self-love, learning and embracing just how much God loves you so that we can love as we ourselves are loved. And so this year, if, if that's not something that you understand about yourself, if that God loves me thing is really hard for you to get your head around, start there on this journey. Because the God who made you and knows you, knows how you were made, knows your uniquenesses and your idiosyncrasies and your story and your history and where you were last night, that God loves you and thinks you are ridiculously awesome and unspeakably beautiful and a pretty good hang. 
And even more, that creator has a purpose for you and hopes and plans for you to be a part of the difference. And when we wake up to that, it's like our whole soul begins to breathe new. It starts something. We begin to leave the old things behind and walk in confidence as children of God loved and called to love. So all of all that that we talked about so far was new, but it was not the new commandment that Jesus brought, the not, like nothing before in religion commandment. And that didn't come until that very last night, the climax of the story. As Jesus gathers his disciples together and, it, and begins to unpack for them everything that he said and lived out, he goes right to the heart of it all. And rather than just rehashing the old, he transcends it and takes it deeper. And he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. And it got quiet in the room, I think. And it got pretty real. Because here's what was powerful for those in the room about what Jesus had to say. Like you and like me, Every disciple sitting with Jesus that day had a story and had an experience with God who loved them in the midst of that story, even before they realized what was going on. Matthew, the tax collector, who was like the most hated person on the planet, Jesus welcomed him and loved him and never brought it up again. Nathaniel, who... who, um, who dissed Jesus' like, family and said, you know, Jesus is from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And he meant it. Dissed Jesus' background and hometown and family. Jesus welcomed him and never mentioned it again. And Peter, who'd been so harsh and obnoxious and made so many mistakes, here he was still around the table with Jesus. And all the disciples who'd been on the verge so many times of walking away, denying it all, never coming back and leaving Jesus behind. Jesus kept loving, kept the doors open to them, never looking back. And Jesus was saying, remember how I loved you along the way? Love like that. And they looked around at the women that Jesus had welcomed into the room in the circle, breaking thousands of laws and social norms in the process. They thought of the, the lepers and the foreigners and people from other faiths, and they remember how Jesus had welcomed them with this openness that just healed the divisions in our world. And Jesus said, remember that? Remember how I loved with open arms? Love like that. Remember how I threw the doors open wide and I welcomed those who felt unwelcomed. And even when the doors weren't wide enough, I went and sat with those who never thought that they would be invited Love like that. And they got quiet because this was new and it was deep and it was real. And they had no idea how real it was about to get because this was the night before Jesus was arrested and crucified. And they began to see just how deep this love of Jesus was for us. For you and for me, when we hear that love as I have loved you, we have our own stories, don't we? God loved me when I was an idiot, pretty messed up, making some big mistakes. 
God protected me somehow when I was vulnerable and set me free from the oppressing chains of a wounded world. God welcomed me and restored me, kept loving me, even when there were false starts along the way and gave me hope and a future for all of us when we were strangers, when we were far off, when we were helpless, when we did not care and maybe even were antagonistic to God, Christ loved us and says to us, so love like that. This was new and it changed everything. Because in those days, especially in the religion of Judaism, of Jesus's upbringing, that was encapsulated in Moses and the law and the way they understood all of that to be, it had always been about this sacred quid pro quo. God wants us to do something for God and then God will do something for us. We follow laws and we earn our right. Or we don't follow laws and we earn punishment and shame. And this was the framework that was encapsulated in everything. And I think it's still there in our world today too. But Jesus stepped out and he said, I've got something new. It doesn't begin with your performance or earning love. It begins with the fact that God loves you and invites you to love like that. It isn't do for me and I will do for you. It's God saying, I will do for you even if you never do anything for me. I love you no matter what. Even if you won't, I will. Even if you can't, I can. Even if you don't, I do love you and I'm here for you with open arms of welcome. Now go, love others and love yourself like that. If we could live that out in 2018, I think it has the potential to bring something new for our lives and our families and our neighborhoods, our community between us and God. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at how that love others as we have been loved plays itself out in our relationships and in our workplaces and in our city. But what we're tapping in here is the heart of God's whole new making story. That Jesus cleared the table of all the old stuff and said, here is the heart of God and it can make you new. And so I just want to ask you this question. As you think about the years ahead and you think about like, you know, what you're going to do with gluten and how often you're going to exercise and the books you're going to read and all that kind of stuff. As you're sorting through all that, I just want you to ask yourself, how am I being challenged to love as Christ loved me? How am I being challenged to love my spouse or my significant other, my kids, my friends, my neighbors, people across the world? How am I being challenged to love as Christ loved me? And how am I being challenged to love myself like God loves me? And so as Jesus offered this new commandment, he said something remarkable to us about religious practice. He said, by this, as we do this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, this is the heart of it all, and this is how we follow after Christ, how we grow in God, how we tell people this story, 
how we make a difference is we make a difference in the shape of God's love. This has the power to make us new because it's right and it's eternal. If we put that into practice in our homes, in our workplaces, our schools, in our community, in our action in the world, there'll be something new in us that doesn't just look like the old patterns, but begins to look like the new way of Christ. So, brothers and sisters, children of God, as we step out into 2018, let's clear the table. Let's grab our sleds with our teeth and carry them up the hill, and let's get to work loving as we have been loved. That through us and in us and around us and with us, all things might be new this year as we love as Christ has loved us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this new thing. And it's hard to get out of the habit of thinking that this is about rules and regulations and miss this pat- the heart of this, that this is about a relationship with a God who loves us as we are right now completely with this hope that sometimes we can't even find for ourselves, with this strength that we certainly can't tap into. God, you love us and you offer that and you unveil that to us. So we ask right now as we, as we just look at the year ahead, God, let us just rest in your love for us. Let us encounter it and know it and let it make us new. But let it not stop with us, but let's live out your new way of life, that we love others in that same way that you loved us. In our schools, in our families, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, in our world, in our country, help us be people who love like you love. We pray this in your name.